Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Weiss here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include, check out other episodes. I always tell people, Alex, check out other episodes. They've been great. We have some great guests, including today's guest, which I'll introduce in a second. David Allen of Getting Things Done, Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. And you know, this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. If you've had team members ask you, the same questions over and over again. And it's the 10th time you spent explaining it. There is a better way. There's a solution. Sweet Process is actually a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. And Alex today is going to talk about new staff and hiring and all that. We'll get into that. Um, But I was talking to the founder, one of the founders, Owen, not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but actually first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. So you can use Sweet Process to document all of the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team. They have a free 14-day trial, no credit cards required. Sweetprocess.com, you can check it out. It's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. Today, I have Alex Zerbach. Thanks for agreeing to today, Alex. He's a chief operating officer, head of operations at Carrot. And can you tell people, Alex, first of all, thanks for joining me. What Tell people what Carrot does. Sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. First off, yeah. uh, Carrot helps real estate investors and agents generate leads online. So these are people looking to buy and sell their house. And so we offer them websites, some marketing, some um, behind the scenes tools to uh, go ahead and make those transactions happen. So your customers are the agents. Yep. Or, or larger companies who have lots of agents and mm-hmm. or um, when you're saying investors, yeah. what does that look like? So investors, uh, the most common example, if you've seen shows like uh, Fix or Flop or, um, you know, Tark and Christina, like where they're looking for a house that might need some work, they're going to go, you know, update the house and then either keep it as a rental for themselves or um, flip it um, and sell it. We're going to get into the hiring process and you're going to, you know, kind of walk through that. But first... There's a cool story about how you got the domain carrot, Carrot carrot.com. It's really hard to get a domain that's easy to say, easy to spell, that people can recognize. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That story is like probably one of my favorites uh, since my time uh, here at Carrot. So for the the longest time, we first started off, we were on Carrot. And that was because we couldn't get the carrot.com name. And that analogy, like carrot on a stick, that's lead generation. So we had that. And it kind of drove us nuts because our brand was carrot, but people kept calling us on carrot. And so randomly, our CTO, Chris, uh, found on GoDaddy that carrot.com was up as an auction. And we like lost it. We're like, no way, we got a bid. So we reached out to the broker and he's like, we're doing best offer only, no multiple offers. Like you got to submit your best. And um, so we were like, man, how are we going to like position this offer in a way where it's not just about the money, et cetera, et cetera. So we looked up who actually owned uh, carrot.com before us. And it was a a man who was, uh, did a very specific type of painting. Uh, the, the process of the painting was very specific. And it turns out, unfortunately, that he had passed away. 
Mm. So the uh, domain was in his, you know, um, will, if you, if you, uh, or whatever they call it. And so there was actually like a special lawyer who was like transacting the deal. And so we said, Hey, we'll put in an offer. We put in a, a pretty large amount of money and then said, but we'll also have a, a page dedicated on our website forever. As long as we own the domain to Michael's uh, painting and his artwork. And the family loved that. And we also sent them some swag, you know, some carrot t-shirts and, and some cups and said, you know, this, this is why it means a lot to us. This is our vision for the brand going forward. And we love for Michael to be a part of it. Yeah. And so lucky for us, they accepted the offer and we transferred. It's more than just a transaction. Yep, exactly. So added the human element to it, which is, you know, part of our core value and our mission. Mm, that's pretty cool. Where can people see about that person's painting and an offer on the page? Yeah. So if you go to carrot.com slash Michael, and then you can put me on the spot, I think his last name is K-U-P-T-A. I'll have to, we can, we can get the right link in the, in the show notes, but, yeah. uh, um, it'll be yeah. his picture. I want to check it out. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Very cool. So basically his first and last name with yes. carrot.com. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Alex, talk about hiring for a second. Um, I want you to walk through, you know, there's a hiring process, performance reviews and beyond, but Talk about the hiring process. You're okay. You're, someone's ready to hire. Walk me through what you do. Sure. Absolutely. So one thing that, you know, I want to like say to start is we're definitely not like the absolute expert on hiring, but we, as a bootstrapped company, we've had the, the, uh, the privilege to kind of learn and uh, test things out, make mistakes and kind of uh, grow. And I know for some companies, especially if you're venture funded, it's like hire as fast as possible, maybe not even concerned about cost, just getting people in to help. Um, push forward. So we're not quite that way, right? We're looking at it from a perspective of, you know, making the right decision. This person potentially could be with us for the next five to 10 years. We have to have a career path forum, performance reviews to like help them get there, coach them, training, et cetera. So we really want to take our time up front and have like a really dialed in process to bring them into, you know, our ecosystem. So um, one of the first things that we do is a 4R document. And this is not new or uh, this is pretty common. It's, you know, your role, the uh, requirements, responsibilities, and results. Pretty standard. But what we really key in on there is the results. We try to make these as specific as possible with metrics. Um, we've made that mistake in the past with having kind of lacking results. And then it's almost like you're not quite clear on what that person is going to do in the business. They come in and you have a really tough time charting like performance reviews, career growth, et cetera. So we, we, review all of the four docs before we like, you know, go into the requisition process and start to get people, um, applicants in the door and we, we hone in on the results. And so that's key. That's critical. Um, from there, we do have like a, a multi-step process where, you know, you, you request the hire and we look at it, make sure like budgetarily it makes sense, et cetera. You've done your homework. Um, but we use the who method. And so that's Jeff smart, um, company GH smart. And we got introduced to um, that methodology from a couple of our mentors and coaching groups um, who have done it with great success. If you look at it and you're a small business, Carrot's you know, about 40 uh, employees, it might seem like overly complicated and like this is only for like those really large Fortune 500 companies. But what we found is by having a standard way that all leaders are going through the process and you have these like series of interviews with a specific outcome and specific questions you're asking, it really like simplifies things in a, in a way. It does add more time. Like, don't get me wrong. Uh, you're going to be taking time, but I, I think it's important to take the time up front when hiring, because this, you know, if you hire somebody say for a $50,000 job, 
and they're with you for 10 years, now look at the impact that's had on your business, right? So don't rush it from the start. But where I was going with that is in the WHO methodology, you have a hiring scorecard. And that hiring scorecard is basically like, you know, objectively, how are you going to score this client or candidate versus another candidate? And so that for our going back to the results, we basically map those results as the outcomes in the um, hiring scorecard. And so we like very specifically, if it's like a sales role, it's like you like the quota is a $2,500 MRR month over month. That's a result that just mapped in as like the top outcome in um, the scorecard. So if there's a lot of like parity there, which makes it easy. Um, and then some people will say, well, huh, if you have a 4R doc, why do you also have a hiring scorecard? Well, the 4R doc is going to be with the person uh, through their tenure with our company. So when we do performance reviews and things like that, and they have a scorecard, we're going to be looking at the results there. The hiring scorecard is purely to bring in, you know, the best candidate at that time. Then the scorecard kind of, you know, just lives in our Google Drive and the 4R doc is what they, you know, commonly re refer back to. So, um, I mean, I, I don't, unless we want to, we can go into more depth on the who process specifically, but yeah, talk about what one thing, you know, maybe a few things that stuck out for you in the who process. And, um, it's highly recommended, you know, um, who by Jeff smart and, um, you know, Brad smart wrote top grading. And, um, I think Jeff is the son of Brad, I think. Correct. Um, yeah, and so both of those are phenomenal. What, what sticks out to you in the, in the who process. And so what really turned us on to like the idea of it was, you know, as we grew, we had more managers coming in, more leaders stepping up. So therefore more people hiring to grow teams and without like a set series of questions, manager, you know, a would hire this way and manager B would hire this way. And at times we would get really awesome candidates and at times not so much. So we really wanted to standardize the way we ask questions. And so that's what who does for us. So like in the one of the interviews, you're going to ask specific questions about their um, previous uh, career history and looking, can't have they ever done the outcomes that we need um, or have they not? And so these like kind of, uh, I don't like the word force, but like they require, I guess, uh, our, our hiring managers to like look through that stuff in the same way. Whereas in the past, sometimes people would gloss over some parts, maybe view a job as like, not relevant, but I do think, uh, you know, if somebody's talking about their career experience and journey, like everything is relevant and the way they talk about certain things, like you can learn a lot, even if it's in an industry completely different. We were just talking to a candidate or in SAS, he was a mechanical engineer and some of the stuff he was talking about with process and how they like did their meetings and like how they talk to like, um, leads and stuff very much translated into what we do at SAS or with a SAS company. So yeah, I wouldn't discount that. And then the other big thing is um, how we check references. I think everybody in the hiring process struggles to, you know, if you, especially if somebody's coming from a big company to get, you know, a reference check. There's a lot of, you know, roadblocks to to have those kind of conversations. There's a lot of laws around that, and um, this who process kind of helps you figure out a way to still have those kind of calls or discussions without it being um, like cumbersome or a roadblock. So. The hiring process, um, and then so you you go yes, this person is great. Then what? Talk talk about the onboarding a little bit. Okay, sure. So yeah, so after we make the offer and uh, they're accepted and all that kind of stuff, um, yeah, we have a, a pretty awesome onboarding process. Again, something we've we've learned over the over uh, the years of, of bringing on a bunch of awesome team members. Um, for us, it's in uh, a system like Asana, but basically it links out to um, documentation, which indoctrinates them in the culture. It, you know, tells our story of why we're in business, you know, who we serve, 
um, some of our core tenants, our, our core values, how we measure those core values, and then just goes into like the product and their role specifically. Uh, we have each team member, each new team member join uh, each team's call so they can see like, you know, what, who's on the team, what they do, et cetera. And on their very first day with us, we put them on the spot on the company call and ask them to introduce themselves. We ask them some kind of, you know, wacky questions to just kind of get them thinking on their feet, but also learn something from them. Uh, but our onboarding process right now is about two weeks. Got it. And then you mentioned uh, performance reviews. Yes. How do you run those? Yeah, performance reviews, man, those, I, I, we still have a little bit of, um, you know, stuff to tweak, but I'm really pleased and proud of the the process and uh, where, we, where we've made it to. But what we try to do is everything we do in the hiring process, we try to have like, you know, if you look at like leading lagging indicators, we try to have something in the back end, which like ties back to like, you know, why they're in the business, how we're going to say like, you know, I think everybody wants to do great work and you have to like show them what that is. And then have objective like measurements to say like, yes, this is great. And so in our performance review, we use a levels and step framework. So as you grow your career, you, you know, um, go across steps and then promotions or levels. And we tie your performance reviews to things like your scorecard. So when we say, hey, you got to have a 2,500 MRR quota as um, a result of this job, well, you're going to track that weekly. And then we're, every six months, we do a performance review. We'll pull it up and say, okay, show us how you did. If you're under, you know, let's, Hey, what's a plan to get you back on track. If you're over, that's awesome. You know, what's your plan going forward? Do we need to bump this up? If so, what does that mean for your career? Like what other opportunities are here? What, what are you seeing? What do you need coaching on training on? And really our, our performance review is centered around three parts, which is um, their scorecard, their career ambitions, like where they want to go. And so we're starting to like map that out with them. Maybe there's not a spot quite yet in the business because we haven't grown to there yet. But we're like, let's investigate that together. If you can help us like kind of get there or set that up, like let's let's chart that out and like see what that would mean. And then the third thing is we always try and leave performance reviews with some sort of like training or coaching opportunity agreed upon. And we use like a smart goal and we put it in um, a software that we use for our one-on-one meetings. And we say like, okay, between now and our next performance review, let's get you leveled up on delegation or negotiation or whatever it is. And we work with them and, uh, you know, it's kind of the leader's goal to make sure that uh, regular check-ins are happening and they're progressing on some of those, you know, either soft skills, hard skills, whatever that person needs. Alex, you know, you mentioned software. I'm wondering what software do you like to use uh, internally, externally, whatever it is. It could be for the smart goals or or anything. Sure. Yeah. So we use Office Vibe for, you know, one-on-one agendas. Um, They also will send out surveys uh, to collect feedback from your team and they'll do EMPS reporting, which our people team is really big on. That's kind of their their North Star metric, if you will. Um, So that is a great software. I know there's a couple others that kind of operate in the same space, um, but that's that's one that we've really enjoyed over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, I could give like our stack, if you will, of, of some other softwares we use remotely. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we use Slack. We're big on, big on Slack. We've uh, uh, finally kind of, I think, cracked partially the Slack code in terms of like conduct and like how to set up the channels and the do's and don'ts of, of communication there. We use Asana. What are some don'ts? Don'ts. Okay. So That's we fun. have um, a collab channel for each team. So collab marketing, collab product, collab operations. And what we do is we try to have that be like one-way communication, meaning if 
somebody needs something from the um, ops team, they go in there and they just drop the request. But the ops team is not supposed to be like sending requests out of there to like bring people into that channel to ask. And so basically we set this um, kind of standard, which is if a request comes in your team within 24 hours, please try and address it. And so it's very much because you know how Slack can be like it's it's uh, the expectation is like immediately respond. And so we have like team channels for team stuff and we only allow the team members in there and you can talk, you know, private stuff and all that kind of thing. So nobody's really like looking at, you know, how you're working or what you're saying, a collab channel and that the responsibility of the leader to make sure all, you know, requests are solved in 24 hours. And then we have, of course, like the fun channels. Um, and then we have channels for automation. So like Slack bots to go in there and like do status update type stuff. And then we kind of give everybody the um, permission to like, you know, opt out of some of that noise, but like you have to be in your team channel and you have to be in your collab channel. And then we also have project-based channels that we try to like have as seasonal. So they shouldn't just be up forever because that tells you like there's probably something wrong in the project process. They should be up discussing the project and then close when the project launches. Mm. So we've kind of just documented all of that in our training center and set expectations for each type of channel. Yeah. No, I, I love that you kind of go get a little granular um, with it because, you know, I just, maybe I'm a slow learner, Alex, but like recently I discovered on Slack, I should just hit the mentions and reactions and find out what people need from me instead of going through all the channels. So yeah. that I'm like, why did I not do that sooner? So if anyone geeks out on Slack and they haven't used that like me, check it out. Um, so Slack, what else? What other... Um, yeah, Slack, Asana, Zenefits, we use for like on the people side of things, specifically um, uh, managing our team. Uh, Workable is what we're currently using on the hiring process. So that's how we are you know, managing um, things going out and then coming in, applications coming in. Um, those are like some of our, our biggest, we use product board for our product. Um, and then of course, kind of the, the usual stack with like Alassian, GitHub and stuff for our, on our product side engineering. Um, I'd love to hear... Not for gruesome sake, but a horror story horror of the story. hiring process. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think everybody, like the, the more you hire in a company, you're going to have some of those kind of just uh, interesting cases. But we, we had one where we, uh, this guy's resume was amazing. He came from some really big companies. Uh, we saw some of his past work and it looked amazing. The interview, he's very well-spoken, very articulate, smart seemed to be a great culture fit, um, you know, really aligned to a lot of our core values, had specific examples. Um, but for the last, you know, I guess three or four years, he was freelancing. And so that was, you know, not necessarily that interesting for his um, job type. So we hired him and he onboarded. And within the first 30 days, we both, we came to a mutual agreement that it just wasn't going to be a fit. So we were really scratching our heads, looking back, like, how could this have happened where, you know, he looked so amazing on paper. He went through the, the process and it really had us like questioning our process. Like, what did we miss? Um, and then for him to also say like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to work here. It was just baffling to us that, you know, you'd get this far in and then, you know, kind of pull the, uh, the rip cord. But unfortunately for us too, um, you know, his, his main function in the business was going to be a very key feature rollout and release. And with the hiring of him and then him leaving, that really set us back about almost three, three to four months um, in terms of, uh, getting that out. So it was a good, uh, lesson. I'm sure there's people with, um, more horror stories, but that's so just one. How do you explain out. that happening? Cause yeah. everything seemed to check out. Yeah. I honestly, I think it comes down to, he could have done the job. I think there was some things in our culture that 
his personality type. Maybe he just was giving us lip service or saying what we wanted to hear. But at the end of the day, I just don't think he saw a long-term future for him with our, you know, entrepreneurial um, kind of, you know, positive um, vibe that we have in our business. I don't think it really suited him. Did you do anything differently next time or you just feel like it just happens? Um, so we, that was actually probably, uh, it was last year and it was right around the time we were starting to read about who. So we didn't actually do the who method on him. Got so it. I'm really interested to go through and see if that kind of situation happens again with who it, go, going back. What we should have done is dig a little deeper into his reference checks that possibly would have highlighted like, oh yeah, he's great, but doesn't stick around long. Mm, yeah. Love it. Alex, first of all, thank you. I have one last question. Um, but I want to encourage people check out carrot.com. Um, very easy to spell, very easy to, uh, find, uh, yes. also check out other episodes of the podcast, check out sweetprocess.com. Alex question, um, is about the people team. Yes. So I'd love for you to, to expand on when, before we hit record, you said the people team is how we are going to just stay proactive. Yeah, absolutely. So it was about 2019, we had just crossed 30 employees and we were starting to realize, you know, there's, there's some opportunities in the business to, you know, improve the culture, uh, help our team grow, et cetera. And, you know, we kind of made a, a very, well, we did make a very conscious decision not to bring on like an HR function in the business. We view HR as, you know, it definitely is needed. We contract it out, but it's a, a reactionary, you know, problem solution type thing. And we, also believe like as soon as you bring in HR, you're going to like find problems, like problems will come up. But what we really wanted was more of a proactive, like culture-based um, function in the business. So that's our people team. And right now it's, it's one, um, one woman named Danny and she is phenomenal, but she looks at, we, we sit down with her every like six months. We say, okay, what in our culture could be improved? Like, what can we do with like our budget, our time, our, our energy to just make carrot a way more, enjoyable place to work. And it already is like we have EMPS that is very um, competitive. It's always going up. And so, yeah, with the people team, one of her main roles is helping with the hiring process. So for any leader who's coming in, who goes through the who method and, you know, maybe a flood of applicants come in, Danny can actually take some of those um, first interviews and go through and check for like, you know, are they going to be good culture fits? Because she's very in tune with our culture, constantly improving it. She's randomly sending out, you know, we just did, um, we just had a Valentine's day. She sent everybody a little gift card and said like, have a coffee on us. We do pizza parties. We do these things. And, um, Danny's kind of at the the core of it, making sure we do that. And so that's yeah, huge. Her, yeah. That after, stuff gets dropped. Yes. Well, and if it comes down to like the leadership's responsibility, like, you know, you have to like weigh that out in time in terms of priority. But if you have somebody in your business, who's literally their job is to like bring in, you know, a players, bring in the best talent possible, make sure they're taken care of you know, treat them really well and look for ways to like, you know, make their experience great. I think it's, it's a no brainer for us. People are one of our highest or most, you know, biggest expenses. Like we should be investing in them. And so we have somebody who helps us make sure we do that effectively. So I said, that was my last question. So this is my second, this is actually my last question, but I just want you to, to go a little deeper on that. What are some examples that have worked really well as far as culture goes that maybe she's come up with, or you've come up with the team? Yeah, absolutely. Especially in this virtual world. Yep, absolutely. So a um, couple of things. One is we do uh, virtual retreats, right? We used to do them in person, but now they're, they're virtual. And so Danny's really helped us level up there. She organizes everything, but we started bringing customers 
onto our um, team retreat. So our team can actually interact with people they're helping, hear their story, kind of feel that connection. Um, she also helps put together like the swag boxes. We're big on that. So this year we all got like custom vests, like a uh, insulated vest with our name on it and stuff. So she's helping like think about that budget for that. Um, we actually do what we call a culture initiative. So every quarter we try to do something. And so last quarters was, um, uh, learn something. And so we have a Slack channel where there was people in there learning how to do like cross stitching. There was somebody in there learning how to speak Spanish, people learning how to play the guitar. And so we're just giving them the opportunity to, you know, do that. Some of it on company time and share. And then this one, this quarters is pretty interesting. We're calling it carrot recess. And so once a month we have a, um, an event of some sort it could be like walk your dog. It's not, you know, overly complicated. And, you know, we're doing stuff where people can just show up on a Zoom meeting, hang out, you know, working lunch type style thing um, and kind of get that out of the office, but still like connecting type stuff. So Danny's main focus is that uh, one other thing that she's really um, good at and um, helping us with is like training and coaching opportunities. So we're doing like an effective meeting training coming up. We're doing a time management training coming up. And those are just like 30 minute kind of optional meetings that people can join if they want to level up on that. And we're starting to like find experts um, and, you know, bring them in and have them train our team, which our team loves, mm. to, you know, see outside perspective, I guess, on some of these topics. That's great. Alex, super valuable. Thank you for sharing that. Everyone check out carrot.com, especially if you're an agent or you know an agent or you know agent company or investor, check it out. Tell them to check it out. Check out a sweet process and more episodes. We'll see everyone later. Thanks so much, Alex. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of you know, the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's